0: The Maronites of Lebanon Part 1 The recent turmoil in Lebanon has turned our attention to one of the most unique and fascinating communities anywhere in the Middle East, the Maronite Christians of Lebanon. This community played an indispensable role in the creation of the Lebanese state itself. They've had a disproportionate impact on the region as a mediator between the Arab world and Christendom. Moreover, Zionist thinkers have long hoped that this community could potentially be an important ally they are highly educated and cosmopolitan minority surviving in a largely Islamic region, an identity that doesn't sound so different from the self-perception of the region's Jewish community. Thus far, peace has eluded Lebanon. Lebanon, the nation that seemed most likely to reach an accommodation with the region's Jews, has not thus far been willing, or perhaps able, to achieve this long-hoped-for but seemingly illusory peace. This country, filled with hauntingly beautiful landscapes, remains a prisoner to its myriad multi-confessional identities. Today we will discuss one of those groups, the Maronite Christians. The Maronites are an ethno-religious community that have historically not conceived themselves as Arabs, but rather as Phoenicians, Canaanites, or Aramaeans. Since the early 18th century, they now largely speak Arabic, albeit with a distinct Aramaic-inflected dialect. Indeed, the history of this group far precedes the Arabic conquests of the 7th century. Even after Muslim rule had been established, the mountainous landscape of the country allowed for a far greater degree of local autonomy. Many rulers accepted nominal authority and allowed local actors a great deal of independence. The modern Republic of Lebanon roughly corresponds to the same geography as that of the ancient Phoenician city-states. The Phoenicians were a Canaanite people who in ancient times spoke a language that was mutually comprehensible with Hebrew. The territory of Lebanon itself is mentioned in the Hebrew Bible over 70 times. Its name, Lebanon, is understandable to Hebrew speakers, originating from the word white, levan. This is a reference to the country's snow-capped peaks. Its famed cedar forests are also mentioned in the Bible, where it is said that this timber, the finest in the region, was used in the construction of the Temple in Jerusalem. Many archaeologists suspect that the long-destroyed first temple shared many architectural features in common with Phoenician temples, where the cults of Baal, Asherah, and other representatives of the Canaanite pantheon were worshipped. The Bible makes clear that northern Israel in particular existed in a sort of Canaanite cultural continuum with the region of Lebanon. Jews in northern Israel during ancient times would not have been unfamiliar with the high places dedicated to Baal or the fertility goddess Asherah, I can imagine an Israelite of the time saying something like, Of course the Hebrew god Elohim is the most powerful deity, but it might be necessary to make an offering at the sacred grove. We cannot forget about Asherah. After all, the rains are coming soon, and Asherah has always helped us bring in a bountiful harvest. The Phoenicians were a maritime people that greatly contributed to human civilization. Their alphabet, the famed Phoenician script, is actually completely identical to the Paleo-Hebrew alphabet used by the Jews until the Babylonian exile. It was only then that the Neo-Aramaic script that we use until today was adopted. The rabbis called it Ashuri, or Assyrian writing. To this day, the ancient Samaritan community, who continue to hold fast to their ancient traditions on Har Grizim, near today's Palestinian city of Nablus, ancient Shechem, write the first five books of the Torah. They do not believe in the prophets and writings of Judaism, in a script that is identical to Paleo-Hebrew and Phoenician. The Phoenicians established trading colonies throughout the Mediterranean world, Some of their most famous cities included the famed cities of Byblos, Sur, Carthage, and Cadiz in Spain. They came into contact with another group of people famed for their seafaring abilities, the Greeks. They shared their unique alphabet with the then-illiterate Greeks, who adopted it for their own purposes. Alpha, beta, gamma, delta sound altogether too similar to Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalet to be mere coincidence. The Phoenician alphabet, and by extension its Hebrew twin, have the unique distinction of being the first alphabet wherein specific sounds were associated with specific letters. Bet for b, gimel for g, and so on. Before this time, pictographic alphabets such as Egyptian hieroglyphics and Mesopotamian cuneiform used a complex system of symbology or picture writing. The Romans engaged in a war of total destruction against the Phoenicians of Carthage. The famed Punic Wars are called this because they are named after the Phoenicians. The Latin Punicus is simply the Latin variant of the Greek phoenici. In all likelihood, the Phoenicians referred to themselves as Canaanites. The territory we referred to as Lebanon became a province of the Eastern Roman Empire. Like much of the surrounding region, including Israel, most people spoke Aramaic during the Roman period, a transnational language with many dialects stretching from Mesopotamia to what is today Eastern Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, Israel, and Jordan. The urban elites in the trading cities along the coast tended to use Greek, the official language of the Eastern Roman Empire. Only Beirut was different. It became a city renowned for its scholarship and the teaching of Roman law. It was a Latin island in a largely Greek and Aramaic-speaking Eastern Empire. Despite the Roman veneer, cities and geographic features retained their Aramaic or Canaanite names. Beirut stems from Beirut, meaning wells. Baalbek, the famed Roman city in the Bekaa Valley, is the valley of the god Baal. Beka, of course, is nearly identical to the Hebrew word Bika, meaning valley. From the Aramaic-speaking peoples of Lebanon emerged some of the very first Christian communities in the world. The first Gentiles to embrace the New Dispensation were often Israel's Aramaic-speaking neighbors. The New Testament speaks of Jesus himself preaching in the southern Canaanite city of Tyre, Tzur in Hebrew. Incidentally, this name means rock in both Canaanite and Hebrew. It is named for the rocky outcroppings that mark the city's coastline. There are other accounts that seem to suggest that St. Peter, the first amongst the apostles, preached in what is today Lebanon. We know with certainty from Paul's epistles that he evangelized the residents of Tsur and Sidon, Sur and Saida today. Sidon is also mentioned in the Hebrew Bible, where it is etiologically linked to Noah's grandson, Sidon, the firstborn of Canaan. Most of the Canaanite peoples of ancient Lebanon adhered to pagan practices for some time, but slowly the Christian faith took firm root in the land. Belief in the nature god Baal and his consort Asherah transitioned culturally to the all-powerful biblical god and Mary, who Christians consider the mother of God. The veneration of Mary is very much an early Christian symbol with a continued powerful resonance amongst Lebanese Christians. Our Lady of Lebanon remains one of the most prominent statues and shrines to Mary, anywhere in the world. The Lebanese venerate Mary. Incidentally, this is not limited to Christians. Muslims and Druze also adhere to the doctrine of Immaculate Conception. The Islamic Jesus, while not considered divine, is nonetheless an important prophet. Mary herself is often referred to as the Queen of Lebanon by more than just the Christians. A Christian hermit from a region near Antioch on the northeastern Mediterranean coast began to preach the Christian faith, a mystical attachment to God, and a thoroughly ascetic lifestyle in the 4th century. His name was Maron, and he and his followers' Christian path would ultimately guide the Maronite Church. At the time of Maron's birth, Christianity was not fully accepted as the state religion of the empire. To be sure, Constantine had proclaimed a toleration for Christianity in the Edict of Milan in 313. He had founded an entirely Christian capital in the east, the city of Constantinople. But Christianity was technically a tolerated religion at this time. Traditional Roman religion continued to be practiced. Even later, when the empire became officially Christian, meaning that Roman religion was to be outlawed, there was significant pushback. Constantine's own nephew, known as Julian the Apostate, rejected his own Christian upbringing and sought to return the empire to its pagan roots. Moreover, in 363, as Julian was leaving Antioch to battle against Rome's perennial enemies, the Persians, he issued an edict permitting the Jews to rebuild their temple. He felt that rebuilding the temple would invalidate Christian claims about Jesus and put an end to what he termed Galilean madness. Ultimately, fires at the construction site, either sabotage or divine intervention, depending on your perspective, delayed reconstruction. Julian was killed in battle against the Persians. The empire reverted to Christianity and Julian is regarded as the last pagan emperor. I add all of this detail to give you a snapshot of the religious scene at the time. Christianity was still battling for supremacy and it was unclear if it would succeed. Jews remained in the land of Israel and were numerous enough to undertake the reconstruction of the temple. Indeed, this was the period of time in which the Jerusalem Talmud was being redacted in the north of Israel. The cities of Tiberias, Tiberia, Sepphoris, Tzipori, and Caesarea, Kisaria, were all centers of rabbinic culture, quite close to the borders of today's Lebanon. What is also interesting is that the rabbis who wrote and compiled the Jerusalem Talmud spoken wrote in Western Aramaic, a language that was spoken by St. Maron and his followers in Lebanon. The process of Targum, translating the Hebrew text into Aramaic, was also undertaken by Christians at this time. In fact, the official Bible translation used by the Maronite Church and some other Eastern churches is the Pshita. For listeners who speak a bit of Hebrew, they will understand what this means. It gives over the Pshat, or commonly understood meaning of the text accessible to all. To this day, the Maronite Church conducts its mass in a Western Aramaic or Syriac dialect. St. Maron settled a bit further south and inhabited a series of rock-cut caves that were used as a monastery by him and his followers. The Monastery of St. Maron, or Der Mar Marun, remains a pilgrimage site in northeast Lebanon. It is said that St. Maron lived the remainder of his life there where he died. His follower, Abraham of Cyrus, moved westward to the tallest mountain in an already mountainous region. Mount Lebanon's northern slopes. He proceeded to convert the largely Canaanite, pagan, Aramaic-speaking occupants of the region to Christianity. Slowly, their pagan ways began to fade, and Christianity took strong root. There in the largely inaccessible mountains, an Aramaic-speaking Christian society developed, guided by the precepts of their founder, Saint Maron. This region remains almost exclusively Maronite to this day. It is dotted with small Christian villages, clinging tenuously to the rocky slopes of the mountain. These tidy and beautiful mountain villages are perhaps emblematic of the story of the Maronites themselves. They too cling to Christianity in a largely inhospitable region. They have been there through unspeakable tragedies that we will recount in next week's episode. But there they must remain. If the broader Middle East is to emerge from the anarchy, violence, and political instability that has been endemic in recent years, then Christians must remain. A democratic, tolerant, and humane Middle East needs the Christians of Lebanon the Middle East's last fortress of Christianity. Next week, we will discuss the Maronites from the Middle Ages to the present day, where their story intersects with that of the state of Israel. I hope you have enjoyed this program. Until next week, this has been Ben Ronsman from Israel Week in Review, providing you with a breakdown of this week's news from Israel, as well as thoughtful perspectives on the region's politics, history, culture, and more. Visit IsraelWeekinReview.com in order to receive regular updates and hard-hitting content. Israel Week in Review has been brought to you through the generous support of Origin Story Marketing, helping customers find your business through search engine optimization. To learn more, visit originstorymarketing.com.